listening to the Manscape podcast about being a man in today's ever-changing world. I'm Joseph Benish, and our other host, Tim Cox, will be joining us uh, hopefully in about a half an hour. He's driving back from emptying out that family car, which sadly got totaled yesterday. Everybody's fine. Nobody's in the hospital. But he had to go run that family errand during our recording session today. So for any of our normal listeners, we're going to flip the script today. We're going to talk about the fun topic, although I think both these topics are fun. First, and then we'll talk about the deep dive topic second. But first, I would like to introduce my dear friend, former boss, mentor, good guy, six days a week, Jack Lytle. So, Jack, if you wouldn't mind, uh, introduce yourself. Give us, you know, some well, thank you very in, much, Joseph. I'm in, uh, delighted to be here and this invitation. Welcome, this is my first uh, occasion to participate in a podcast, so I'm pretty excited to learn how this is done. But yes, I've known Joseph for oh, I'm going to guess 15 years, perhaps. And um, my uh, working career has been, I guess, essentially could be cataloged into two larger categories. One is 30 years with a manufacturing company on the operation side of the business. And then the last 15 years or so, I would say, in the nonprofit world where I had the occasion to meet Joseph in a theater setting where he was in charge of box office and ticket sales, group sales, as I recall. But I have found him to be a delightful individual leading a very exciting and varied life. And uh, and we have had occasion to spend some time together and each one has been an enjoyable experience for my wife and I. So welcome. I'm happy to be here. Thanks again for the invitation. Yeah. And Jack, I think, because when I directed Godspell I, Theater Works, I was. That might have been 2003. Yes, I was. Were you there in 2003? That so could be. It was right around then. Time flies. Yeah, so I remember. I, think, Jack, I, I, I don't think you directed the years. show, but I remember you yeah, were friends. acting in yeah. one that I still considered to be one of the funniest. Uh, scenes I have ever seen in live performance, and uh, the name is escapes me at the moment, but it had something to do with the uh, shrink. Do you remember? Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, multi-talented guy you are. Show. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I try. I try. Still hopefully learning, learning stuff. And Jack, I mean, you got a, a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. I'm, I'm privileged to know uh, all of you. So um, thank you for, for taking the time. Well, you're yes. Back. You're not yes, even in, you're not even in your house. It's a bittersweet a sort of an experience. Right now, yeah? We have, uh, I like saltwater fishing. And I have uh, been on the, a chartered boat for probably... 36, 37 years, not consecutively, but almost, and with the same basic core group of guys. And unfortunately, life is this way sometimes, but our group seems to be getting smaller and smaller. And uh, one of our most dear fishermen buddies uh, passed away a couple of months ago, and we're in California visiting our daughter and her family uh, while we attend tomorrow the memorial service mm. but uh, it's a so it's a bittersweet thing we get a chance to see the grandkids and our well, daughter and her family but it's also to pay uh, you know preference reference to a good friend of ours sure well, again, thank you for taking the time. We're going to jump into what would normally be our second topic. Today, it's going to be our first. So we make time for Tim when we talk about conservatism is camping. I, I'm, I've been an avid camper most of my life uh, to one degree or another. 
But I'd love to ask, uh, I have some you know, questions to take us down the road, but Jack, do you remember the first time? Oh, man, you know, you're really going to date me on that question. I'm sure it had. Yeah, right. Well, I remember we used to. <laughs> I know it was with stone tools. With Flint. <laughs> Um, but those were the days I'm pretty sure, uh, my first camping experience, I'm, I'm almost positive had to do, uh, with either the Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts back in, uh, Minnesota, way back in the, probably the fifties, maybe so a while ago, but to be honest with you, we kind of gave that up for uh, many decades yeah. until just recently, maybe six years ago, where we're back into camping in a different kind of style, and that is with an RV. Uh, but it still, it still gets us out on the road, and it's still <laughs> a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, because there, is, there are as many ways to camp as there are political opinions, I feel like, you know, cause you can go from living in the wild, you know, reading a book, being a survivalist, living off the land to tent camping, uh, oh, van yeah. life is a really big thing. Do you, do you know that phrase, Jack, you know, people who've converted a van and are kind of living out of it, uh, all the way up to, uh, the big fancy RVs, you know, with the slide outs and, we were just talking the other day, uh, anybody who's listening, <laughs> because we, you and I are going to go camping, you know, and it's almost funny to call it camping in a way here in a couple of weeks, we're going to go down to Mexico. And camp oh, and yes. And you mentioned your, your full size fridge. Oh, ice, it's got <laughs> an ice maker and, camping. you know, water in the door and the whole thing. It's, um, a, it's, it's a regular residential refrigerator. <laughs> Gotta like it. Yeah, and that thing is literally bigger than our two-bedroom apartment was in New York. And uh, <laughs> um, But take us back to, because I think camping stays with you. I, as I have seen it in the world, more people camp who got exposed to it as kids. You know, there's no hard and fast rule about anything. But can you recall any, any moments uh, or any things that stayed with you from when you were younger, why you may have wanted to? In whatever way, whether it's in a tent or an RV, kind of get back out and get away. Uh, whether it's getting oh, yeah. I, th I think without question, the, stay with you, with you the, the event that I tend to recall on just about every single camping experience we had, whether that be in the early days when I had a, a two-person pup tent that you would get at the uh, Army-Navy surplus store with the stakes and the uh, poles that would, uh, you know, be joined in the center. But what I remember most is uh, the campfires and the uh, fellowship and the wonderful bonding that would occur after dinner at night in the dark with a roaring fire and marshmallows on a stick and the circulation around the campfire uh, of people who would tell scary stories. And I certainly recall uh, being scared more than once <laughs> about um, the, the, the legend of uh, falling rock or the uh, little boy and the girl who used to have to walk five miles one way to school through a cemetery. And during stormy nights, uh, when it was in the winter, when it was dark, how that would just uh, cause every child's eyes to widen and hold on a little tighter to their mother or father or whoever they were with because they <laughs> they know or they knew that a scary part of the story was coming up. So I recall those and and uh, think that that was a moment growing up that is to be cherished. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you really said it there with the bonding that happened, you know, around the campfire. 
What's do you do you like the smell of a campfire? Because I've actually because I I've done a lot of tent camping, and you know, a little a little bit of backpacking back in the day, and I've done a lot of car camping because as you know I have a VW bus and the VW bus crowd is our big campers and I've heard a lot of people say oh you, if you get a gas grill or you know you don't get the campfire smell you don't get that smell in your clothes I love the smell oh yeah of uh, of campfire I'm oh yeah I, I think that's that's part of the back. experience you know you the smoke in your or? eyes and the sometimes uh the, depending on which way the wind is blowing it's it's wonderful sometimes it's not so wonderful but that's all part of the experience and I think that, you know, if you grow up in the city, which we tended to do, we when we moved around a lot, my dad got transferred many times, and we always ended up in urban areas. So it was particularly sweet for us to be able to really go out into the country. And I suspect maybe if you kind of grew up in that environment, it wasn't quite as unique but for us city dwellers uh, that was an experience it was something to behold mm -hmm. yeah yeah so let's talk a little bit about the equipment and i will you know, we'll get to the rvs because as i mentioned you know for any, anybody listening you know you, you have a world of options now you know uh there's lots of national parks and for anybody that doesn't know, there's a difference between national park and national forest. This is something I feel like a lot of people don't know uh, because national parks are where you, you pay, you typically drive in and you pay an entry fee or you get an annual pass. I, I get an annual pass just about every year. And those are your Yosemites and um, you know your Yellowstones and... You know, beautiful, there's usually a drive through, and there are camping spaces in most of these parks, but you have to pay for those, you know, and they can range anywhere from 20 to 50 bucks a night. And you can drive in a big RV or you can set up a tent. What a lot of people don't know is the National Forest and BLM lands, stands for Bureau of Land Management, those are both federally controlled lands. You can actually camp for free for up for two weeks, and that's the way that I prefer to do it. Uh, me and Karen, even though we at, we do now tow a trailer, you know, a camping trailer. It's, a, it's called the Scamp. I uh, don't mind giving them a shout out because we really love it. That you can literally go anywhere for free and camp on public land uh, for free, and that's the way I like to do it. Because also for us, part of the experience is actually getting away. Uh, as much as I'm an extrovert and I'm around people all the time and I love people, it's nice to go kind of park, you know, off a beaten path and, um, you know, set, set up, you know, wherever you're at. And we, again, we've done that in the bus, in the VW bus with us and, and uh, just a few supplies. And now we do it in this camp. And then there are the campsites. Um, again, often in national parkland, a lot of state parks have these. Have you parked in many No, because the uh, state or national parks? No, I, I'd say the answer is, to that is no. The the restrictions in your national park are that I think it's 36 feet. You can't have a rig longer than 36 feet. And um, ours is right at that edge. So we have kind of opted not to, mm -hmm. even though we do, uh, we do visit uh, national parks uh, on a regular basis. As a matter of fact, I've got a, once you become a senior, I, I understand they no longer have this available, but for a while you would pay $25 for a one-time pass. And then you are allowed, you and your party are, are allowed into any national park for the rest of your life free. So we, yeah, so we have this and we, we enjoy uh, spending time in national wow. parks. I think the most recent was Zion, which if it's not in the top five, I think it, it's got to be awfully close. Mm -hmm. That is a beautiful park. And then, of course, um, Glacier is probably the, the top tier park for us. So we spend some time uh, viewing them and visiting them and enjoying them and doing white water rafting and that sort of thing. But we normally don't stay there because of the limitations. Yeah. 
Well, you know, science matters well, in our society. And I've been accused exactly. of that. What you're telling people is you've, you've got a big one is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually kind of a, a pro and a con for anybody listening. Yeah. Looking, you know, to yeah. up their camping game. You know, you can take a VW bus just about anywhere, including off road. They have really high clearance. But if you want the full size fridge, the microwave, Fireplace. Uh, the shower, the water bed, the the disco, <laughs> the fireplace, yeah. then you're probably um, not getting into a, you're probably getting into a few less right. spaces. Right, drive but in. You, uh, yep. You're one of the folks that also tows a vehicle behind you, right? So you can drive in. Yeah, you've got that. You've got that nice Jeep. Have you seen? You know, the, the camping again runs the full spectrum. I remember being. I think I was actually in Zion. I second what you said. A beautiful place to go visit if you can manage it. They call them earth roamers. They're um, big. It's like it's like the love child of a Jeep and a massive RV. I mean, I think at first time I saw one of the tires was about as tall as I am. You know, probably six foot. You know, look like they can literally go anywhere and through anything. Big massive cab on it. You know, probably you know thirty feet tall. Uh, I mean, at least as tall as a I have not. As tall that is. And have you seen these out there, Jack? They they look like something out of a. They look like they're moon rover or something. um, Post apocalyptic sci fi films. And uh, yeah, Earth Homer. I looked it up while um, I was setting up. They start (laughs) at one point nine million (laughs) dollars. And so I think that's probably the far end of the spectrum. And you got to look these up. Uh, Earth Roamer, which I think is a little bit of a play yeah. of the, uh, the Land Rover goals. You know, kind of, again, kind of like a Jeep. A step up. A step up from that. Uh, but going back to the other thing, one of the things I love about camping, even though, I've, again, most of what I've done is, is car camping or or tent camping. The other thing I do like about it, and I'm, I'm sorry, Jack, I'm not sure you get as much of this out of out of the RV, is that feeling of independence, of being out in wilderness, you know, under the stars. I mean, you can be under the stars, you know, setting up a campfire, love starting fires. Um, and there's just that feeling of, I feel like being more connected to our, our roots or our, our history or maybe our animal history, I don't know. And uh, that's probably something you got, you know, when you were a kid with the Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts is, you know, it's fun. It's more fun to be dirty, <laughs> you know, and get your hands dirty and, you know, get your, get your scrapes in. Because uh, even though, you know, we're camping in a, a, a trailer now and we're sleeping on a three-inch memory foam mattress, when you're setting up that campfire, just, there's something in our DNA, I think, that for me just calls us back. Yeah. It calls us back to that. And then the other thing is you get to stay different places. Like where we're going in Mexico, you said you've stayed before. I mean, we're going to be camping literally right on. Well, we are going to be in a RV park that is adjacent to the beach. They have one row of uh, spots Mm -hmm. that overlook the uh, kind of like a seawall. And then you're into the beach. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure where we're going to end up, but in any event, the farthest we'll be from the beach will probably be a hundred, maybe two hundred feet, and you can hear the waves crashing, and you can smell the yeah. uh, the uh, salt water, and you know it's it's really really close. So it's wonderful. That yeah, that's what I'm looking. For. Yeah, and that's one of the things you can get camping. Now I suppose you can get this by spending the extra money. You know, to rent, you know, condos or big fancy Airbnbs. But I, I'm a, you know, I'm a pretty frugal guy and you know, solidly middle class. So I, I don't, I don't have the money to spend on big mansions on the beach. But I actually really enjoy again that that sort of marriage between the rustic feel, you know, yet and the access to these kinds of places. Because so far we've talked about Zion, we've talked about you know, just you now camping on the beach. And I just think that's a lot more accessible for a lot of people if you do the kind of camping, whether it's car camping, tent camping, RV life. Yeah. 
And well, it is magical, Joseph, and and I agree with you. You know, there is this uh, experience when you are camping that you certainly don't have when you're living, you know, in the city or in your house or wherever it is that you spend most of your evenings. But there is something else that I think uh, probably is close to being as important, if not as important, which is the the camaraderie and the friendships that you meet along the way. We had a uh, opportunity to go on a whale watching trip a couple of years ago down in the Baja of California. There were 17 rigs and they ranged from, you know, converted vans to, to large diesel pushers and everything in between. And there were 17 folks, none of us, well, there, there, was, there were two rigs that were friends, but everybody else was uh, individual and just wanted to go and, and witness firsthand the calving of these uh, gray whales on the Pacific side. So we spent, uh, I think it was nine or 10 days with this group of folks that we didn't know uh, beforehand. And through the shared experiences and the challenges, as slight as they may have been, uh, or the adventure of, of running the, these big rigs on a very narrow highway with no shoulder and running into, uh, not into literally, but running across um, 18 wheelers who were coming back the other way, it was rather... Uh, stunning how quickly you build relationships with these people over a campfire at night, perhaps on the beach, which we did on a number of occasions, mm -hmm. or a shared meal, uh, or the experience of touching one of these baby whales. So, And some of these people, uh, we still meet once a year. We're going into a, uh, a let's see, it's a pig roast crab feed up in the California Delta country camping uh, with the four rigs mm. that we met or couples that we met uh, on that caravan. So that is a big part of the attraction for us. We just meet some of the nicest people that have turned into be pretty good friends of ours. And we think that's a big plus. Yeah. And it's so wonderful to have new ways to meet new people, ways to meet new people, you know, as, as we get on in years, you know, I'm a, I'm several decades behind you, Jack, but I'm right there with you. And I do, I don't know if it's several decades. Well, I hope you can, keep up. <laughs> but I'm with you. I hope you can keep up. Okay. Hopefully I'm trying. Right. I am trying, but it is wonderful to have ways to meet new people. Cause you said you're going on another thing coming up here, right? Where you're going up in um, Northeast Arizona. Oh, or something yeah. Like the, the, the summer, group. you know, we live in Phoenix, so it gets a little toasty there. And in Northern Arizona, uh, we are going to be going up to the Flagstaff area and spend a couple of months, which is a nice break. And, and I know that we'll meet some very interesting people up there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to ask you how you came to choose your RV because there's a huge selection. If you've been anywhere, you see, anytime you're on a freeway, you see a handful of these RVs in front or behind you. But I'll tell you a story first about my cousin, uh, Ron. He's out there in Southern California. And my cousin, uh, and what I'm going to do is tell you, give you permission to buy a big RV if that's, if that's your, your ilk, whoever you are, because... I think that there, among the camping world, you know, certainly in, in any culture, there are hardcore people who are like, they're going to tough it and they're going to sleep in a tent on a mountain in the snow. And then there's people who, you know, want the comforts of home while they explore the world. My cousin Ron was a tour guide for the Sierra Club and he was legit. I mean, this is a guy who had hiked part of the Pacific Crest Trail on his own. I think it was for a week or two. He, he would have kept going, but he got snowed out. And his, I think at the time, either new wife or girlfriend, uh, who's, who's now his wife, um, Sarah, ama amazing person, had to go pick him up. And so a guy who literally camped in the snow, you know, on his own, nothing but him, you know, him and his boots and a backpack and 
just really, really uh, a true like man of nature and hardcore. And then he goes and at Mary's Sarah. In fact, I think they met on a Sierra um, Sierra Club tour that he was leading. That's how they met, and they fell in love, got three beautiful kids, and now he has. <laughs> I think it's the biggest trailer you can get before you have to go fifth wheel. I want to say it's also like 36 feet or something, maybe 32 at the lowest. Uh, bunk beds, kitchen. It's one of the ones that now they actually just traded up. It's got an outdoor kitchen. So it's got an indoor and an outdoor kitchen. And, you know, uh, air conditioning, heater, again, all, all the comforts of home. So there are good reasons to go for that because it's easier to haul around the kids their bunk beds are in back. I feel like there's a lock on the door so they can lock them in if they need to lock the three kids in. <laughs> I'm not saying they do. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I've given him a hard time a few times about that. It's like, hey, man, he went from sleeping in the dirt to, you know, sleeping on a memory foam mattress, yeah. you know, with a comforter Real and step up. Down pillows. <laughs> but what about you? So this is your second RV. You know, and a lot of people would have looked at that first one, including me, and thought, "Well, man, that's that's pretty sweet. Um, wh- why would you need to trade up from a from one big fancy RV to another?" Well, you know, it, you know you're I, looking for? I guess the industry average is that the if you own an RV, the ch- if you're near normal, you're going to have three RVs over the the time that you uh, are RVing. And each one will tend to get uh, have a few more features than the one prior. And uh, until you get to a point maybe where some people have done this, is that they have found that it's a little more work than they w- want to do, or they're now in their late 70s or 80s, and uh, they'd rather have things a little simpler. So they might move mm-hmm. down. But the, the typical RVer will have, three over their lifetime. Um, You know, it's kind of interesting how we got into RVing. We've always traveled a lot. And my Mm -hmm. wife is from Montana and she is a real animal lover. So there is no way that we would ever have a house without at least one dog, perhaps Mm -hmm. more than one. And uh, we used to drive, do road trips and stay at hotels, nice hotels, chains, etc. And uh, we noticed that uh, the pet-friendly hotels would, you know, identify maybe a half a dozen rooms in the back that had not yet been remodeled. And those were the rooms that they would rent out to dog or, you know, people that were traveling with their pets. And Mm -hmm. those rooms, by and large, were disgusting. I mean, it was it was really bad news. So we figured, well, you know what? We're not going to travel without an animal, and we'd like to have some of the you know creature comforts. So we're going to try the RV route, and that was about seven eight years ago, I guess now, and have found that that lifestyle fits us given where we are in our life stage, real well. Yeah. Uh, so that that's how that happened. You know, when you first go dip your toe in that RV lifestyle, at least for us, we wanted to make sure that we liked it. So you don't want to go in um, and invest a real large sum of money just in case you didn't Mm -hmm. like it. So we started small and found out, yeah, you know, we can do this. We have grandkids that love to travel with us. And uh, we've got, you know, our rig now, uh, sleep six. Now we'd never have six people with us because you'd have to be very, very friendly. But when you got a little grandkid or two, uh, it's fine. It works out really, really well. So that's how that started is we wanted to be able to travel in a style that we are accustomed to. And we weren't going to do the hotel thing anymore. So we thought we'll, uh, we'll try our ring and it's worked out so far. Yeah, so what what were the differences between the one you started with and the RV you have now? Well, king-size bed, number one. Okay. It has four TVs. Not that we need four TVs, but we've got four <laughs> TVs. 
It has a drop-down bunk over the cabin area where the driver sits for grandkids. It's a smaller bunk. It has an outdoor entertainment center. So we've got a TV and a stereo and a DVD player outside. Um, and, I, and it has a fireplace I, and two drop-down um, kind of, you know, sleeping areas for, for guests. So I think that was it. The other one wasn't quite as big and had a small, had a different suspension system and it had a different ride. And this one's a little more comfortable. This, some people would take a, a unit our size and actually be full-time RVers in it because it's, it's comfortable enough for that. But we don't like RVing that much. Not gotcha. yet anyway. Yet anyway, good. And so, do you sleep on one of the couches, and Diane and the dog share the bed, or is there enough room for all three of you there? <laughs> Our sleeping arrangements are confidential. <laughs> that sounds like a fair, <laughs> a fair question there. So, do you think you're going to stick with this one, or would you ever trade up? Oh, we might trade up. I don't. I don't know. We've thought about it. I guess it would depend on uh, how much you use it. You know, ours is one of the larger gas rigs. And um, the next step up for us would be a diesel rig, which has an entirely different, it's a different ride. Uh, so we could possibly do that, but we haven't decided that that's definitely in our plans yet. Well, I mean, you can look up one of those um, earth roamers, and, um, you know, for just yeah. for measly 1.9, you know, I'm sure you'll get a different experience with that. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, that is a lot of money. I know that. But uh, we, I have, I have been inside uh, 45-foot RVs that are uh, coming in at about 1.4. Wow. I don't think I've seen a $2 million rig, but close. Yeah, and... And I think there's our, our next host, Oh, yeah, right? that's our co-host. Hello. Tim, they're logging in. Yes. Hello, hello. Hi, Tim. Sorry for my... Uh... And, um... Well, Tim, Joseph told me, told me about the... Yeah, uh, an act. Yeah, my wife got in an accident, and so she is... Uh, uh, she's fine, but our car is totaled, so I had to go to the other side of the universe and go clear it out, and uh, yeah. Fun stuff. <laughs> no, I was actually picking my kids up from and school. And were the kids with and, her? And uh, I was doing all that. She was just running some errands on the other side of town. And yeah, so uh, that's been my day, my unexpected day today. So yeah, yeah, she's just kind of sore and resting. And, you know, yeah, thanks. I'm glad thanks. she's fine. So, so catch me up. Yeah, good. Well, Tim, yeah, I don't know if you if you caught that, but I called an audible, which uh, I think probably worked pretty well, is I just flipped the script. So Jack and I just got done talking about camping and okay. RV life and you know what can happen there so we could save room uh, for you two to enlighten me and our guests on what conservatism is uh, in, in your <laughs> views. Because even though uh, Jack, Tim, and I have talked about that we're both independents, um, that we do fall, you know, differently on that scale of, of, you know, conservative versus liberal. And you know, I looked up while I was setting up. I actually looked up a couple of diff uh, definitions, um, but I don't want to share that first. I'll, I'll have questions. I think why don't we put Jack on the spot as our illustrious guest and say, in in your view. Um, and I say that with love, you know, because Jack and I have been have become good friends, even though we we disagree on a lot of things. You know, we I feel like we disagree with love, and I think, you know, um, at the end of the day, most people want the same thing for everybody. They want everybody's happiness. That's that's what I think. I'm an optimist, and I love people. So let let's just jump right in, Jack. Wh what is your view of sort of the general definition, the layperson definition of what? being a conservative means. Yeah. Yeah, I've thought a little bit about this since um, since I was invited a couple of weeks ago. 
and um, you know, it, there seems to be a number of different types of conservatism, and uh, depend on what, depending on which type you're talking about. You know, there's political, and there's religious, and there's um, there's a con conservative party. You know, uh, it depends on what it is you're talking about. But to, to me, and I guess where I spent most of my time thinking is about this is, was trying to capsulize best I could um, what it is, what it is that has shaped, you know, my beliefs and my values along these lines. And I think over time it has changed. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk mostly about political conservatism. And um, in some of the research, I, I guess I guess the bottom line for me is this is a notion of believing in small government versus big government. And there's a lot that gets unpacked along those lines. You know, you can talk about, give me some examples of what small government would look like and some examples of what large government would look like. But to me, political conservatism has a fundamental underpinning belief that says that small government, generally speaking, is preferred to large government. And that's where a lot of the discussions, I think, come from, and a lot of the arguments. Yeah. Tim, the, um, if you were king for a day, what would your definition be for? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely small government, fiscal conservatism is important, you know, um, balanced budgets, uh, reasonable taxes, um, you know, th those kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that as a, as a conservative— you also, just as a person, without uh, putting a political label on it, you really also have to kind of evolve with the times. You know, I mean, right now our Republican Party is really, I'm one of those that that strongly feel like Republicans left me, you know, by hanging on to certain social issues, you know, and, and coming up with this, um, these these hot button topics because they're not focused on small government right now they're not focused on balanced budgets you know it's a lot of culture war stuff that's going on in the republican party that's why i left the republican party because i don't identify myself as a republican but i still recognize myself as a conservative as someone who has ideas of of you know how you can op, you know you know have some kind of attrition to government and without having to sacrifice certain things, you know, uh, you know, sh shrink it up a little bit, have some fiscal conservatism, have some balanced budgets, take people off of, you know, entitlement programs off of, um, off of the government's dime, so to speak, you know, and, and look at those things as, is incentivizing corporations who are huge lobby in government and primarily funding both parties and, you know, and and so to the extent to where they can make phone calls and say, hey, let's vote against this, vote for it. Um, and, you know, and look at the corporate tax cut that happened, you know, during the Trump tax cuts. You know, look at it as why don't you incentivize tax cuts through taking on certain type of things that that are unpopular as a government position? You know, student loan forgiveness, um, free education. Um, higher wages, those kinds of things. But there's no, when it comes to the conservative movement in the Republican Party, there's no ideas left to try to move towards those types of things that are would really be good for our country, really good for Americans in general. But we, you know, it, conservatism, I think, is kind of lost to in, this, in this day and age. You know, we're caught up on abortion and guns as opposed to you know, things that really matter, the things that affect everyday Americans. So um, I, I'm kind of a, a traditionalist um, 
you know, in the name of Ronald Reagan, who was very popular Republican, very popular conservative, you know, he's kind of his name is being kind of bastardized in the Republican Party right now because none nobody out there represent that type of conservatism. And so, you know, I, I don't know. We can't go back to the 80s, but at the same time, we can employ those policies in, in current day, you know. So that's kind of my view of conservatism, how how conservatism should be. What do you think? What do you think, Jack? All that land with you? Yeah, I, I, th- I think I, I don't see a lot of daylight between what Tim said and <clears throat> how I how I feel. I think as I look out across the broad spectrum of the country right now, I want to say 20 years ago, I believe that the country was kind of center right. And now I think things are changing a little bit and it maybe they're more center left than they are center right. I got here's an example the, the shared shared values and principles is I'm in Southern California which is everybody knows this is a very liberal state uh, in most sections. I'm very close to Orange County and Orange County seems yeah. to be the exception rather than the the rest of the California. But our, our daughter who we're staying with told me this morning that in her son's bathroom, he's nine, he's 10 years old at school. He goes to a public school here in, in at the Inland Empire. In the boys' bathroom, there are female um, personal hygiene vending machines in a boys' bathroom. That, to me, it would be um, would be very, very difficult to have happened 20 years ago when the country was more, I, I believe, center-right. So those are the things that uh, make me scratch my head and mm-hmm. say, what? So I, I think that leads to a, a really long and probably separate podcast. Um, not, you know, not that I'm afraid of getting into that <laughs> Might be. here, although we do try to keep our podcast to an hour. Um, I have a question for you, though, and maybe we'll go down that road, so let me know. But I do have a question for you both. What do you, as conservatives, think, liberals think of you, whether you agree with their thoughts or not? Are there anything that you think liberals say about conservatives that you go, well, yeah, of course, or that you would say, no, that's not what conservatism for me? So whether you've heard it from friends, Jack, whether you've heard it from me or uh, the media, um, which of course is amalgamous because there's liberal media and conservative media. But what are things that you would think you would agree with coming from a liberal perspective about conservatives or disagree with? Anything that stands out for either of you on that? Well, I say, um, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I do think that any type of conservatism from from a liberal standpoint is 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 viewed as you know, borderline Nazi party party, um, just strictly from the culture war stuff. I mean, um, but honestly, you know, as a conservative, I'm completely not represented at all by this Republican Party. You know, from a from a political standpoint, I don't understand why anybody would be jumping behind somebody in a in a a presidential uh, campaign who can only serve four years in the White House. Because from a strategy standpoint, you want to put somebody in there who can be in there for eight years and try to get Congress, uh, both the House and the Senate, that that it's just they're misguided, you know, and and the, the, the focus seems to be re- uh, reprisal, um, you know, just fighting – woke culture and all that other kind of stuff. And, and so I, I don't blame anyone who's liberal for looking at anyone who's conservative as, as a whack job right now. But they're, the understanding that, that I'd like to 
share or put out there is that there is a difference between someone who's a conservative and somebody who's a Republican right now. You know, there there's a huge difference. And and I know that there's a lot of things that we're scratching our heads on. But I, I, I firmly believe that. And, and I spoke about this uh, a while back um, when we had Michael on the show, um, is that I, I think a lot of the sort of more shocking things about uh, about society these days have really put been spotlighted by by Republicans, I would say, more than anything else, just to to fight that kind of movement and kind of thrusting it forward a little bit faster than it than it than it would be normally if if you would have taken a step back and taken a breath and said, okay, how how do we move forward with this in in society as opposed to fighting it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think that, that, um, without question, I mean, I, I definitely think a liberal movement looks at conservatives just in general as Republicans and, and kind of crazy at, at this moment. Yeah. I mean, I, I tend, I tend to think that there are conservatives across the spectrum. I mean, I think there are mm -hmm. conservatives in the Democratic Party and mm -hmm. some of them uh, fairly vocal. And uh, mm -hmm. but I but you don't no. you don't hear their voices often. I think the loud voices are, are the ones that are, you know, carried in the liberal newspapers and they're you're going to hear that cause a lot more than you are for a conservative voice in the Democratic Party. But I really, you know, I, I guess I just hadn't really cared too much what liberals <laughs> think of conservatives, because I, I think I mean, I respect the liberal point of view or the progressive point of view. I really do spend try to spend time trying to understand it. But if you're true to your values and if you really believe in what, you, you know, in if you really believe in some fundamentals, uh, it's you've got to be able to make room for people who who have a different point of view. Their reality might be entirely mm -hmm. different than your reality, so we've got to make room for those folks. And I, I quite frankly get, um, I guess I tend to turn the the channel when I'm seeing the loud voices on the whether it's one side or the other and uh, on the airwaves all the time because those are the extreme points of view and i see that I, you're, you might be hearing a dog bark and uh, my daughter and my wife and my granddaughter just okay. walked in so if you hear some commotion in the background that's what that is thanks so another question is i'd love if i i'll have a couple of specific questions and i'd love if you could give me one or two examples, one each or one or two each, of what small government is. But I'll, I'll tee it up with two examples, and I don't know if we want to go down this road or not, of where I think, because you know, I'll give you two examples of, of Republican policies that I think are the opposite of small government. Um, one, and again, this is a whole other podcast, but I think think the regulation of what I call women's health care and uh, an abortion, uh, essentially regulating what a woman can or can't do with her body, um, I think that's big government. I think the government telling a woman what she can or can't do with her body, whether or not you agree with it, because I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody out there ever wants abortions to happen. I think that's one of those things at the root that we could all agree on. Like, but. Um, the people who are generally against it, I see coming from more of a religious perspective, and then it funneling that religion through government and saying, "Okay, you cannot have an abortion because I disagree with this." So there's one example of big government, and again, I know that topic is massive. The other example of what I see as big government coming out of the Republicans is there are a couple of states now. I know Texas is one of them, where the state legislature, Republican-led legislature in Texas, banned Citigroup from funding any state or I think even city, banded throughout the entire state, any government contracts because Citigroup 
is one of the banks that has chosen to either not not fund or fund a lot less um, gun manufacturers. So Citigroup, a private company, has said, you know, that we don't want to be in the business, you know, with um, gun manufacturers. And the Texas Republican legislature said, okay, then you're not doing business in Texas. You know, at, at any level we can control, at any state, city, municipal level. To me, that sounds like big government. I mean, private enterprise was happening between a bank, you know, massive bank, Citigroup, and company, private companies. And the Republican government legislature stepped in and said, nope, nothing, no more for you. Isn't that big government putting restrictions on the private market? Yeah. Yeah, and and I think I might the only thing I might add to what Tim just said is that I, I think that there is um, confusion in certain locations about big government and states' rights. The uh, recent, you know, Supreme Court ruling on Roe versus Wade is really. Um, is really kind of a, to me, was a comment that says, 
this is an important issue when we really don't have an opinion on the merits of the of the law, but we do think that that law is better administered by the states because they are closest to the people. You know, we've got a bunch of national leaders who are are once you're in once you're in Washington, um, it is really really difficult to get dislodged. The power of an incumbent is incredible, and and I think that's kind of what I saw and heard is that this really is a uh, tip of the hat to us to states rights which to me makes more sense because hopefully your state legislature is much much closer to the constituents the voting public the people than the folks in washington are and i'm not that familiar joseph with the uh, city group uh, law or issue that you mentioned but I will say this, though, it, it depends on where you get your information. I have become, I have become uh, very um, suspect of what I read now and the source of what I read. So I'm, there are times when I'm not sure what is true and what isn't. And that's difficult. Um, so I'll look it up. But Let's take it at face value for the moment, because I'm pretty sure it was NPR where I get most of my news. Um, so, but let's take it at face value for the sake of conversation. Um, let, let me ask two subsequent questions with a semicolon in between. Can states yeah. be? Yeah, Tim. And uh, I lost Tim, Tim somehow here. Um, can states be? Um, can they practice big government versus small? I mean, is that something we can hold them accountable for? Like, can state legislators overreach? Okay. So I would agree with you. So we're... Um, oh, I'm sure they can. Is, again, let's take this just for the sake of argument. Uh, I'll do research as we're sitting here. If this is the case where the state legislature, which I'm 99.9% sure it is based on the source I got it from, is preventing Citigroup from doing further business at, at the state and municipal level, would that be an overreach when they're interfering with private markets working together? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, given the, these assumptions that the information is accurate and, and assuming that they, in fact, are preventing a business relationship yeah. just because of their position yeah, so on there guns. are several articles that come I would up. say that would be an um, overreach in my view. On Bloomberg, one of them's on Dallas, Dallas Morning News, a local group. Citigroup dropped from three point billion dollar municipal bond deal. The state's attorney general said the bank Citigroup discriminates against the gun industry by not loaning to them. So, um, yeah, well, I think, it, I think that it's as egregious as the state of California refusing, attempting to refuse to do any business with Walgreens because of Something, Walgreens' yeah, position yeah. Yeah, on, so is it the, agreed. Oh, was that a, uh, an abortion Jeff, bill? We're about I think it was, wasn't it? about liberalism. Something like that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. No, but I was just trying to give you an example so of... So give me of, then, uh, yes, uh, were you able to think I would disagree of, with both uh, those positions. A small government example that you think benefits um, people... Or, or is it just sort of a general philosophy, like try to stay out of that stuff less? Because it's something I think I would agree with, both in California and Texas. You know, we want, so where, where I land in terms of big government, small government is the times I do think we want big government is in what I would call human rights. So, uh, you know, for me, you know, abortion, whether or not it's something that, you know, uh, again, it's something that I don't think anybody wants. I still think that's a, a human right for women to have, to have control over their own bodies. Again, 
you know, science-based. It's doctors and nurses that perform abortions if they're needed. Um, it typically tends to be religious driven views that come in and say, you know, conception starts at, uh, life can start starts at conception. So for me, that's an example of big government. But I think I agree with the theory or the philosophy of small government, um, on its face, but of course that takes, I think you even said this, it takes so many different versions and iterations across the country in every state. You know, it's one of those things that's nice to say, like many things that I say are really nice, but how it's executed uh, depends. So, Joe, I'm not, I, yeah, I think we're probably saying uh, that we agree more than it appears, but um, there's a congressman, I think he's out of Texas, his name is Mike Johnson, and he put together in 2018 uh, a kind of a white paper called The Seven Core Principles of Conservatism. And it's really interesting yeah. when you, when you kind of check off some of these categories. And if it's okay, let me just recount them for you real quick. One is individual freedom. And then they give you a couple of paragraphs of explaining what individual freedom would look like. Number two is limited government. We've been talking about that. Number three is the rule of law. Number four is peace through strength. And they're talking about a very strong uh, national uh, defense. Uh, number five is fiscal responsibility, and I think Tim referenced that earlier. Number six is free markets that are free of government control where, it, where they can be. And number seven is human dignity. So this was put together in 2018 as part of the, um, I think it was Contract with America. No, that would have been prior to. But anyway, those are kind of the the uh, core tenets, the under you know under overarching tenets of what conservatism is. Yeah, it's funny. I, in I this would, Mike Johnson's I view, and and I tend and to agree with most of that. The the two that I think get complicated. I'm trying to. I'm pausing here because I'm trying to decide if we want to talk more about you know, about um, abortion, but I'm, I'm thinking no, because that's such a massive topic. It's, it needs its own separate podcast. Um, but the funny part is actually, I think I agree. The other one, outside of that, outside of that topic, yeah. the other one that I think is nuanced is the peace through strength. Because where I land, I see us more as a global community. And sometimes I feel like nationalism can take a, a, a nasty, a nasty turn and, you know, has been, you know, certainly nationalism or tribalism has been, you know, the core of many, if not most, or if not all wars in history. So for me, I would want to find a more nuanced path, you know, from to, you know, to merge nationalism and globalism, you know, because I just see us as much more connected than, then I think sometimes sometimes that nationalist combined with individualist, you know, kind of gets off on a yeah. track that I think leads to leads to war and hostility. Yeah. Oh, and you're absolutely right, Joseph. I, I think that's kind of the core of of many, if yeah. not, I think you said it, most uh, global co conflict. You know the. The, the issue that they talk about is peace through strength. One example that would be the re, it's the responsibility of the federal government to have secure borders. That is clearly, that's not a straits right issue. That is a mm -hmm. national issue. Um, and well, I think that might be an yeah, example yeah. of, you know, peace through strength. Well, that, that might be a separate. So maybe our next podcast. And the rule of law. Maybe even with you, because I really enjoyed this would be the conversation between the rule of law versus the rule of morals. Because you've probably had this conversation or heard this question, Jack, is are we, um, are we a nation of laws or are we a nation of morals? 
because we know historically those have been separate, you know, and maybe still are in many cases, uh, because the laws are made by the winners, the people in power, and people. It's in human nature to make rules that benefit yourself. You know, that's I don't know any, if any humans can escape that that trend or that feeling. Um, but that's probably a really good podcast, the difference between the rule of law and the, and the rule of morals. Um, Jack, uh, I think like Tim's having connectivity issues. He's, his uh, internet in his neighborhood is yeah. uh, questionable at times. I want to thank you so, so much for agreeing to share your voice, um, okay. your wisdom, yeah, your, your jokes. Uh, if you ever hang out with me and Jack, we, uh, we razz on each other a bit. Um, you know, uh, he's older and wiser than I am, but I'm younger and more handsome. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, thank you so much. Any closing words on, um, camping yeah, or for conservatism sure. or? no, I just, I just thank you for allowing me to be your token conservative on this group. And, uh, I, I, I feel like you handled this with uh, yeah. the utmost yeah. of sensitivity and professionalism. So I thank you for letting me participate. Yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll, you'll and see it was nice again, meeting sure. Tim. I look forward to Online. meeting him again. Our guest, uh, that is our view of the landscape. I'd like to thank Jack Lytle for taking time in his life. And Jack, we wish you your extended family peace love uh, this weekend. So next week our next topic Hey, and I made it back just in time. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is what happens when you have a car accident and you don't have time to set up. So, But anyway, Jack, it was a pleasure speaking with you briefly today. And uh, I, I, I did was managed to catch most of everything you said. Because uh, I was in the, in the room without being in the room.